What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. We'd like to say a very big thank you to you, the person who just showed up to listen to us, stuck us in your in your ears and uh, <laughs> uh, wondering what on earth the next hour entails. And to be honest, Mark and I haven't got a clue every month, but we are going to do our best to entertain you. But we also want to say thank you so much to all of our incredible patrons and academates at the Bestseller Academy who uh, contribute towards making this podcast possible. And if you would like to be one of those amazing folks, you can get tons of incredible goodies. You just simply pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and find out about all the incredible deep dives you get, all the amazing benefits you get by being one of our experiments. And if you'd like to become an academate at the Bestseller Academy, it's simply academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. Mr. Stay, congratulations on your book launch, sir. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Well, I, I, I've um, the actual launch launch is uh, so because uh, uh, launch day, publication day. Do you know what I did? I did soddle. Yes. I, I met a friend That's for good. lunch. A Brilliant. friend I, ha- I haven't seen for about 20 years, actually. We had a nice old chat, wow. chinwag, uh, and I really didn't do anything because the thing I've learned is that this is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm actually selling more copies of uh, The Crow Folk, which is the first book in this series, than ever before, than I ever did on launch day. Uh, probably because it was lockdown, but also because, you know, as we go on, particularly with the series, you you know, you just keep selling the series. You keep selling book after book after book. But we are having a launch if you want to come along, folks. Uh, I think uh, the day this goes live, it's the day after. So it's Tuesday, 26th of September, 2023, 6.30, Waterstones, Canterbury. Uh, we've got a launch. There will be uh, there will be books. There will be cakes. There will, I've just had the cake toppers arrived. There will be chocolate. If you, if you buy or basically if you hand me a copy of, of The Holy King to sign, uh, I'll give you a bar of chocolate in exchange while stocks last one per customer. Um, so, yeah, it's branded chocolate. So uh, that's all going to be fun. So see you there tomorrow uh, if you're listening to this in time. If you listen to this on the Wednesday, I'm sorry. This is why you should listen to us first thing on a Monday morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or in North America, Sunday afternoon, Mr. Stay. Sunday afternoon, yes, yeah, very good. Like Although I doubt you're going to get to Canterbury in time. Yeah. Well, you could. Um, well, you're an eight-hour <laughs> flight. You never know. That's brilliant. <laughs> Well, good luck with that. And, and is it now, I know in the past you've done like crazy kind of Wembley Stadium technical live streams as well. Is this just an in-person or is it going to be YouTube? I might do well? the reading live stream, but I'm not sure yet. I've got to check ticket numbers and stuff like that, but uh, mm. we shall see. But brilliant. Mr. D, how's the nonfiction coming? Let's have an update on that. Oh, nonfiction. I'm loving it, Mark. I'm, I'm really getting into it now. There's... Um, Radar is fully open. You know, we talk about this, like every author, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, like once you start getting into that 
concept of what you're writing about, world building, something we're going to be talking about later on this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, your, your radar starts to get open and I'll go for a walk and something will pop into my head and then I'll be, I mean, how many people have done this where you're kind of like, you've gone just, just to go and have a, a, a bit of a walk and then you're sitting somewhere or typing on your phone on your notes or you're speaking into your phone oh i've got to get that down and that's me at the moment i'm absolutely loving it it's um it's a load of fun and i'm really looking forward actually to, to kind of sharing this journey with um, anyone else who wants to join me on the non-fiction journey it's going to be great we've got we've got coaches lined up for the next you know well i mean however long it takes i'm aiming to write it in a year um and that's going to be but i realize as well that with non-fiction there's a lot of other stuff that authors really need to learn about around building i mean I think the idea of building an author brand is mm. as important if not more important you know what's your expertise what's the thing that you're writing about and then things like how you get on podcasts you know i mean i think that's <laughs> relevant for every single author but i thought yeah. we've got a bit of experience about that haven't we? <laughs> we've seen it we've been on podcasts but we've also done a lot um so like giving people a bit of training a um, bit of practice as well as what you do when you you know you get an opportunity to be interviewed, whether it's by a magazine, a local newspaper, or a podcast. So we're going to be delving quite deep into that as part of um, you know an academy um, uh, course that we're going to be running. So if you're interested in doing that, if you're interested in joining me, pop along to the academy. There's a, there's a box now. You can you can uh, add yourself to the VIP list for nonfiction, and uh, we'll be in touch and tell you more about that. So. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, you've got some other events happening, dates for the diary. Yes, so uh, as part of the Maystone Literary Festival on Saturday 7th of October, uh, I'm on a double bill with the brilliant Kelly Weeks. We did a deep dive with Kelly Weeks on marketing and social media and stuff, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that. She's amazing. She's absolutely brilliant. So I'm on first, Saturday, 7th of October, 10 to 11 a.m. Uh, so you have to get up early for this one. Um, but I'm doing a thing called, you've written a novel, what next? And I go through the various options that you've got there. And then uh, I'm, I'm almost immediately followed by Kelly at the same venue, the Kent History and Library Centre in uh, Maidstone. Uh, she's doing Building a marketing plan for your book so this is you know if you are if you've got a book and you're getting it out there this is the double bill that you want basically this is the dream team so uh, i'll put a link in the show notes you can check that out as well and that promises to be uh and the maystone literary festival is great fun actually it's on the same day i'm doing uh an event with julie wasmer and lisa cuts uh in in the evening as well so it's really good it's gonna be a good it's, day. In, it's interesting how it starts to build isn't it i mean this is inspiring for authors listening to to this thinking oh i'd love to be able to do a presentation at a literary fair or but it it's about it's a little bit like you have to do if you have to get one under the belt and then when you're out there being seen you get you start to get more offers don't you and it kind of starts to build that way well it's like uh, i i do panels i moderate panels for fest so at fantasy con you know i i did a screenwriting panel with um yeah Quive was there sarah pimber was there you know and oh, a bunch of people and it was it was really good fun but you know if yeah I, i've sort of got a reputation for that now so i, I do yeah. get cool. but i also do pimp myself madly as well <laughs> if i see something i'm like can i come can i can i moderate a panel please uh and it's one way of getting free tickets to these things so, totally yeah. that's great that's absolutely brilliant stuff brilliant hey we've got some news as well we got some news massive we're, we're, news yeah we're the independent podcast awards you're, you're listening to the award nominated podcast uh, the bestseller experiment at the independent podcast awards. Hey. how about that mr d that's hey? a very ex- i was very exciting I, I i remember you um coming across them and thinking no we should we should pop us pop ourselves down and um and then 
the little email dropped in my inbox. I think just kind of after we recorded the last podcast was, with yeah, Susie, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. Uh, yeah. we've been nominated. So I think there's an award ceremony happening in October. End of October. Uh, yeah, end of October. Yeah. So we'll keep you. We'll, and, and I don't think it's one of these award ceremonies where you have to get all of your listeners to try to vote for you to win it. No. I think it's like independently judged, isn't it? Which is, yeah, which it I is. quite like. Yeah, well, this the in, uh, clues in the name because it, it's podcasts that aren't backed by a massive media organisation, you know, or anything like that. It's it's a couple of people and a microphone, which is what we are, you know. Mm. So it's it's nice to see those smaller podcasts uh, getting some recognition. Yeah. So uh, as as they'll always say, it's just nice to be nominated. Um, it is, <laughs> and we should also, on top of all that, Mark, we should celebrate with everyone listening because everyone's made this possible. Um, Indeed. Or we could maybe leave this to our sixth birthday uh, coming, coming up. Yeah. Seventh. So seventh, seventh isn't it? Seventh, I can't yeah. even remember how many years we've been doing this. Seventh, seven, yeah. Let's, yes. Actually, there's something we're going to announce, but we'll announce it on our seventh birthday party. We're going to do a special uh, in October to celebrate the anniversary of the bestseller experiment. And everyone's it's been going so long, we've lost count. I know. <laughs> seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Seven yeah, years yeah. stretch. Or seven the seven-year itch. itch, which one yeah. will be? <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, listen, in the in the tradition of this podcast, if you're if you're with us for the first time, we always have very well almost every single episode we have the most incredible guests that we have uh, scoured the world and the uh, deep <laughs> and we have and this week I tell you what we I've got to say this folks but we're knocking it out of the park honestly <laughs> these guests are amazing so Mark tell us about this week's incredible guest. Uh, Jesse Q. Sutanto is the award-winning, best-selling author of Dial A for Aunties and Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers and many, many books, as we'll hear. Now, was, we have a bit of a backlog of interviews, so we recorded this in the spring, just after the release of Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers. Since then, Jesse has released another book in August called I'm Not Done With You Yet, which is kind of ironic title as well. And Jesse is just a delight, so full of energy. It's just a joy to speak to her. So we discuss how the Vera Wong books were inspired by her own aunties, the role of tea in story, and how lowering her standards unlocked the key to Jesse's success. Fantastic. So let's listen to Mark chatting with the joyous mm. Jesse Q. Sutanto. Jesse Sutanto, welcome to the Best Seller Experiment. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me here. My my absolute pleasure. And we we here first of all we're here to discuss your amazing new novel Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murders, which is a fantastic title. Absolutely love it. Uh, which uh, talks about a 60 year old tea shop owner turned amateur sleuth. Tell us about Vera Wong and, and where she came from. So um, I uh, after I wrote Dal A for Aunties um, in you know which. Uh, is obviously about um, Asian aunties. I was like, you know what? Like, you can literally put like Asian aunties in anything, like <laughs> Asian aunties and Bridgerton, um, you know, and it's uh, immediately like charming and delightful and they're just so underused. Um, so I was like, well, clearly I need to write another thing. Um, and then this time I thought, you know, well, I'll have the um, the auntie be the main character. Um, so, so that was first of all, where, um, the idea came from. And, um, 
And then I thought, well, I'll throw in a murder, of course, you know, and, uh, and I thought of like, um, well, where should I set it? And I thought, you know, maybe a restaurant or like a bakery. But then I was like, well, everything is set in a bakery. (laughs) Uh, So so that was like, um, you know, how how can I set the story uh, apart? So then I thought, oh, a tea house. And then it just became this thing where, oh, she finds a dead body in her tea house. Um, And that was basically uh, how the story came about. Fantastic. Now, tell us about the role of tea in the story. Because here in the UK... Tea is kind of brown stuff. We put milk and sugar in it. It gets us through the day. It is important. But I, I think, you know, tea, certainly uh, in Chinese culture, has has huge importance, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, my uh, grandfather, he was very traditional Chinese um you know, uh, grandparent. And so he was like, oh, you must know how to properly brew tea and then properly like serve it to your future husband. (laughs) 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 Horrible to say, but, uh, but, you know, then, so he, he taught me how to do it, um, you know, very, very properly where you have to like scald the teacups first, you know, so they're hot. Um, and you throw out like the first brew because it's like, harsh or whatever and then you only drink the second brew you know all that stuff um and i actually enjoyed doing it i've never uh served tea to my husband i think he would freak out if i did (laughs) and then he'd probably be like is it poisoned (laughs) oh and he's english but he doesn't like tea so i i don't know i want my money back i i thought i was getting with a tea lover but no uh (laughs) So um, it was really nice being able to write a book um, where tea plays such a strong part uh, because um, that was what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And there's some really, really exciting news uh, about the book as well uh, involving someone. Let me Mm -hmm. check my notes. Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about that. Oh, my God. It was so crazy. So... um, my film agents submitted, you know, Vera Wong to like producers. Uh, and then I think, I believe we already had like, we were on auction already with like several, you know, studios. And then all of a sudden she emailed and she was like, oh, Oprah uh, and Mindy Kaling um, wow. have been looking to do a project together and they really like this one. Uh, and that came in at like six in the morning, my time I was preparing, um, lunch boxes for my kids and I was like, Oh oh my God. And I can tell you that those lunch boxes sucked. My kids came home and they were like, mama, I need to talk to you about what was in my lunch box. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what was in your lunch box because Honestly, I don't give a crap that (laughs) you were distracted. That's totally fair. I think that's totally fair. Well, look, let's talk. Let's talk about the journey from the bad lunchboxes and Oprah and Mindy Kaling to where Mm. it all kind of started for. Because, as I understand it, you you uh, you studied in Oxford in the UK, Mm. um, Mm. and you studied English, and essentially you sort of came out wanting. To be an author straight away, but it didn't quite work out mm-hmm. like that. Tell us, tell us about that that journey. 
Yeah, so um, I did my undergrad uh, in Berkeley, uh, California. And um, after I graduated, I was like, oh, no, I, uh, um, you know, I, I'm still mediocre at most things. So uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll apply to grad school so I can avoid, you know, real life for a bit longer. Um, So then I, I somehow got into the Oxford um, program, which was truly a miracle because um, all the other universities uh, rejected me, uh, including my safety ones. (laughs) 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 So that went and I did the uh, creative writing uh, master's program at Oxford. Um, And after that, I was like, all right, you know, I have a master's degree from Oxford. I am hot shit. Like <laughs> every publisher is going to want, is going to be like begging me for a manuscript. And that didn't actually happen. Um, it took me like, I think nine or 10 years uh, before I actually got a publishing deal. And um, in between, you know, during those years, I was uh, actively, I was continuously writing. Um, but I also had, uh, day jobs. So I was working um, as a wedding photographer um, in Oxford, um, which was really great, actually, and and is also the reason why so many of my characters are photographers. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then I moved to uh, Indonesia with my husband. And um, Indonesian weddings are really huge. They're like, on average, they have like two thousand guests. So. Um, I, I would have, yeah, to, yeah, I know I see your look of horror. That was my husband's <laughs> look of horror too. Cause we actually, uh, uh, had an Indonesian wedding. Um, and, and ours only had like a thousand five hundred guests cause he couldn't muster up a thousand guests on his end, <laughs> which was humiliating by the way. <laughs> so, um, you know, I would have to like join a company or something um, if I wanted to continue photography. So I, I quit. Um, instead, you know, I, I worked for my family company, which was in real estate. And I, I learned a lot as well um, that contributed, I feel, to um, writing, like a lot of things about um, real estate and, and marketing and, you know, just a lot of the different disputes that like you could never have uh foreseen you know uh, a lot of stuff like that um and I was still writing so I I wrote I had written eight books before I got my first book deal and the first book deal was actually for my fifth book um you know that was how long it took like the back and forth and all that stuff um uh you know I had finished my eight uh by then so yeah it took a really long time there's there's a lot to unpack there because I, I, I think as a wedding photographer and working in real estate, you're dealing with two of the biggest decisions that people make in their lives. You know, getting married and, and buying a home. So you're seeing people kind of at their best and at their worst. And as a writer, yeah. this must have been amazing. You must have been filing stuff away all the time, thinking I'm going to put that in a book. I mean, was that was that the case? Yeah, uh, totally. I I didn't realize how much I was going to learn about people. Uh, going into these um, positions and and yeah I I learned so much and and also like um, I saw uh, a lot of very ridiculous uh, situations right you know especially at weddings because like yeah. um, it's such a stressful occasion you know mm. you've shelled out so much money you want everything to go well 
So I, I am seeing people at their most stressed out, yeah. which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about those eight books because you're, the last couple of years for you have been astonishing. I mean, what an incredible, you've got Dial A for Aunties, which came out in 2021, which won the Comedy Women in Print Award. And we love that award. We've supported that in the past. Then you've got uh, The Obsession, which was a YA revenge thriller. Four Aunties in a Wedding, sequel to Dial A for Aunties. The New Girl, a YA thriller. Well, that was unexpected, a YA rom-com. Theo Tan and the Fox Spirit, which is a, a middle-grade fantasy. And then we have Vera Wong in 2023. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And two more books coming this year. You're very prolific. That is an incredible. I mean, were, were these were these all waiting, just ready to go, or are you just a very fast writer? So I, I did learn to be a very fast writer um, during those like ten years um, because. So my first book actually took me three years to write because I was still kind of mm -hmm. learning, and I had this uh, notion that like art has to take a lot of time and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then for my second book, um, my friend, uh, convinced me to do NaNoWriMo. Um, yeah. And, and so I wrote it in a month and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, uh, it's a mess, but wow. Um, that was an amazing experience. So then from then on, um, I, I always tried to like, um, write quickly, like write with, uh, using like. 15 minute timers um and that was yeah that was really helpful too like so i would set the timer for 15 minutes and for those 15 minutes i could only write i couldn't like delete um i couldn't even take a sip of water just you know pure writing for 15 minutes wow. then after that i can take a break and whatever um but it was uh the the number one thing it did was that it allowed me to um, lower my standards um because you know, if, if you can't go back and edit, then you're forced to just keep marching on. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, you know, I got really good at doing that. And then the other thing I got really good at doing was because I was getting so many rejections and it was really bad on my mental health uh, for whatever reason. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I need to um, emotionally move on as soon as I uh, send out um, a manuscript I'm right. like okay I I'm no longer excited about you uh, I'm gonna move on to a new shiny project um, and that really uh, you know save my sanity I guess so yeah. I, I learned to do that and so um, now I'm still doing that like the moment I send off something to my agent you know I'm like okay I'm taking a break and then I'm moving on to the new thing so yeah. so I don't really like dwell on projects that I've already sent off. That's why I'm like, I'm always, uh, I'm moving on so quickly. So that, that 15 minute habit, is that something that you're still doing or are you giving yourself more time now? No, I'm, I'm still doing the 15 minutes because um, wow. otherwise I procrastinate a lot. You know, I, I end up like on Twitter for yeah. like an hour or two. Um, but I find that if I set that timer, then I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. Uh, and then now I, I can write about 500 words in those 15 minutes. So I just need to do like four 15-minute rounds a day, and then I'm done. Right? Brilliant. Yeah. 
brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. That's really that's that is really amazing. Um I want to I want to talk about Dial A for Aunties because this was I know it wasn't the first book that you wrote but it was very much your breakthrough book and what I read we we have something in common because we're both Terry Pratchett readers we're both fans of Terry Pratchett and as I understand it the uh, the witches Terry's witches inspired the aunties in 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 a way Ca- uh, tell us about the aunties and, and where they came from and and uh, and where they're going as well because I believe there's more on the way is that true Yes. Uh, yes. The third book should be out next year, uh, unless my editor hates it. I, I don't know. I hope she doesn't. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> She's still reading it. Uh, um, so they, they basically came from my own aunts and uncles. Um, I grew up with, you know, uh, in a very huge, very tight knit family. Um, and I, I went to school in Singapore. My family is in Indonesia and, um, and somehow, like when I was fourteen, I I was dating a boy, and I thought I was being, you know, very cunning about it because I was in a foreign country. And then, like that same day, my parents called, and they were like, "Oh my god, do you have a boyfriend?" And I was like, "What? What, what are you talking about?" And they were like, "Well, you know, um, like uh, aunties, like cousins, cousins, you know, sisters, like." Uh, sister's husband or whatever saw you and, and you know they just, like there's always like a I don't know it's like five times removed or something um you know it's, it's what I grew up with and they're just always so nosy they're in everybody's business um and so I kind of feel like you know um it's payback like and it's time for me to <laughs> <laughs> they owe this you know they, they owe me after like over 30 years of this <laughs> but what, what's what's interesting about the aunties is it it feels very specific to your experience but as i understand it you're getting messages from readers all over the world saying that is just like my auntie and we find very very often the things that as writers, we think are specific and might not make sense to other people actually turn out to be universal. It, and that's been the case here, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just been so wonderful. I don't know how, I mean, my God, you know, like the, that, the moment I received a DM from someone who was like, I'm from Nigeria <laughs> and this is exactly like my Nigerian aunties. I was like, oh my God, this is the best moment ever. <laughs> 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 and apparently they're also very much like Jewish aunties and Greek aunties. <laughs> yeah, I can I can introduce you to some Catholic aunts as well. So uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what what's also fascinating is is you you don't really refer to the aunties by name. They're like big auntie, second auntie, fourth auntie. Was that again is that a conscious decision to do that? What was the what was the thinking behind yeah. that? Um yeah, it's actually part of the Chinese culture. Um because like the family hierarchy uh, is very much like age dependent. So like I, you know, we actually call like my big, our big aunt, like big aunt, uh, well in Chinese, um, but you know, it translates to big aunt uh, and then um, big uncle, you know, stuff like that. Um, So it's very interesting because I have seen a couple of reviews that were like, oh, um, you know, she dumbed it down um, for readers, and like I promise you, I didn't. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it is actually part of the of the like 
family hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. I, I'd love to talk about Theo Tan and the Fox Spirit because, as I understand it, that was written before Dial A for Aunties, but. Yeah. It's also it's middle grade fantasy, very, very different to the auntie's books and and, and from Vera Wong. Uh what were the big challenges of, of writing a, a middle grade fantasy? So uh Theo Tan was actually my seventh book. Um so Dal A for Aunties was my ninth book. So I didn't actually write an adult book, you know, until like Dal A for Aunties. Um right. up until then I was writing young adult. And then uh, my then agent, um, he was like, oh, hey, um, there's this new imprint that just opened up and they're looking for middle grade uh, fantasy books. You know, do you want to try your hand at writing middle grade? So I was like, okay. Um, So so I wrote that and um, and I thought it was so fun. It was like uh, a lot less angst uh, than YA. and uh, a lot less uh, romance, obviously. Um, and then it was a lot more jokes, uh, a lot more like just so much more humor. And I think that that actually helped me, um, you know, get on the journey to like end up writing Dial A for Aunties. Because up until then, I was only writing young adult suspense, you know, because I was like, in my dark and deep era. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't actually try humor until Theo Tan. And, uh, and that was what made me realize like, oh, I actually like writing humorous books. Yeah, because the, the aunties books, they're, I mean, they're very, very funny, very funny. And I, as I believe it, the original file name for them was Meddlesome Aunties, you know, so it was all, they were, the intent oh, yes. was also to make it funny. Um, so was that a question did did you feel like you unlocked something when you when you tapped into the humor was that did did the writing come more freely Yeah so with Dali for Aunties um I what I realized was I was looking forward um to writing a lot of the scenes like when uh when the main character uh you know comes home with a dead body and then her you know she has like the conversation with her mom I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to write this scene. You know, and I <laughs> I I didn't feel that before, um, not or not as frequently, rather. But you know, I would say like that happened for so many of the scenes, you know. I was like, oh my God, and then now the aunties are gonna come. Uh, so I was having so much fun writing it. And you mentioned the the YA books there as well, which uh, you know, we've got um The Obsession and The New Girl. And you said they're kind of, you know, intense and angsty. Is yeah. that something you're leaving behind or will you come back to that at some point? Uh, I really hope um, I can come back because uh, so the obsession was a very small book deal. Um, and I'm sure your uh, listeners know this because they're writers. Um, but the the amount of marketing that your book gets uh, is directly correlated with um, how big a, of an advance uh, you get. The Obsession got a really small advance. So I thought, you know, okay, this book is just going to sink into obscurity. Um, no one's going to know about it. Um, and, but it went viral on TikTok. Um, and so it's actually selling incredibly well. Um, and so I've been receiving a lot of fan mail asking for, uh, another book in 
in that like series. Um, but I don't know how because like I killed off like one of the main characters. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, I don't know. But but I really, really want to, um, you know, because the the fan base, uh, they're so passionate and they're like most of them are teenagers. Um and uh, it's just wonderful, you know. So I really hope to dip back into it, but um, I just haven't had any ideas um, for it. This this thing of going viral on TikTok—it's something that's kind of completely out of our control, isn't it? Uh, oh my uh, god, yeah. But amazing when it happens. Is is there sort of an added pressure to deliver when you've got all these readers kind of saying, "Give us more"? Uh, no, I wouldn't say like I don't feel pressured um, because I because I'm used to pressure, you know, because I'm Asian. So I'm driven by, <laughs> I'm driven by Asian guilt. <laughs> so, I don't feel the pressure. I know other authors do though. <laughs> Brilliant answer. Um, I also want to talk about the things that inspired you early on, because I read somewhere, one of the things that got you into writing was, was binge watching The Last Airbender and playing World of Warcraft, which again, you know, oh my you're God, ri- that's from like so long ago. I know, but you know, you, you you've been writing fantasy, and you've been, you know, uh, dipping into that fantasy world. Are those influences still part of you? Uh, will we ever see? Because you said, you know, you can put Asian aunties in anywhere. Can, will we ever see Asian aunties in a World of Warcraft style fantasy novel? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I would love that. So I'm actually writing, I am actually going to back to my roots of um, fantasy. Uh, I'm writing uh, an adult fantasy right now. Um, and it is terrifying because it's so difficult to write sci-fi fantasy, I think, um, because there's so much world building. Mm. Um, you're creating, well, yeah, you're creating a whole new world and then uh, everything just has to be a certain way. Um so, but I'm finding it really challenging, uh, which is probably a good sign because um, you should always be challenged by, you know, the books that you're writing. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll work out or or if it's going to end up really bad, um, but we'll see. But I, I write so fast anyway. Like my husband was like, oh, okay, you know, if it ends up being really bad, you know, oh, big deal. You've like wasted two months, you know which doesn't sound very sympathetic, but it's a good point. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that no writing is wasted. Even if a book gets trunked, yeah. you've learned something for it yeah. and, and you keep moving on. Uh, absolutely. I, I want to dial back again because you've got this incredible success. You've got award-winning books. You've got, you know, uh, you've got Netflix series coming. You've got Warner Brothers TV series coming. All this great stuff happening. Uh, but I want to go back because I read somewhere that when you were being interviewed for Oxford and they asked what you were going to do with your degree, <laughs> what can you remember what the, your answer was? Because I think it's a fantastic answer. <laughs> they were like, oh, what are you hoping to get out of the program? And I was like, well, it's, you know, it's an Oxford degree. So I expect to be uh, such a world famous author that when I sweat, I drip diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> clearly a joke but there was like two seconds of silence and then um the course director who was doing the interview she she said in this very proper oxford english you know accent she's like all right 
And, and I was like, oh, no, that's it. I'm <laughs> This was the only interview I got. Like, all of the other schools rejected me. <laughs> and I hated myself so much, uh, like, you know, for, for the following days after that. I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing is, we, we we love setting goals. We love ambitious goals. Sweating sweating diamonds is is a new one, but clearly you're <laughs> you're doing something right, Jesse. Um, now this has been absolutely fantastic talking to you. What's uh, you mentioned the fantasy? You've mentioned more aunties. You've mentioned more Vera Wong coming in 2023 as well. You've got I'm not done with you yet. What can you tell us more about that, or was that still top secret? Oh no, it's uh, so that's coming up sometime in August and that is an adult suspense. I'm very excited because <clears throat> it's my first adult suspense and uh, adult suspense is actually my favorite genre to read. That's like my bread and butter. Um, but I just never dared to like venture into it until my friend um, who's another author, she, um, she kind of nudged me into doing it and I'm so glad I did, you know, cause uh, part of what's so great about adult suspense is that there's a lot of like very bitter marriages. And so I was able to like take, you know, the most petty arguments I've had with my husband and like put them in the book. <laughs> and it feels so cathartic. Like I, it literally like, um, I did actually start writing it because we had an argument and then I wrote, um, I just wrote like a mini scene, you know, about the argument and then, and then I built the whole book around it because that's how petty I am. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. Anyway, I'm very excited. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And also coming uh, 2023, Three Tan and the Iron Fans. That's a sequel coming as well. Uh, can you tell us more about that? I think it's coming out this month. I should know the pub date, but I, <laughs> I, I forgot. Because, you know, I have four books coming out this year. So I'm very important. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. No, you really are. This is fantastic. I love it. I'm loving that energy. Jesse, it's been an absolute joy speaking to you. Um, I'm, I'd love to speak to you again, maybe in a year's time when you published another seven or eight books. I just, you know, so, <laughs> it is fantastic. And best of luck with the fantasy. I can't wait to read that and, and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, Mark, I tell you what, if there is a model interviewee, Jesse is it. <laughs> I mean, anyone, anyone, any writer listening to that interview and wondering how you engage an audience, I mean, she is just, but she's so, uh, what I love about Jesse is she is so full of incredible energy and you, you just know what you're going to get. Listening to her voice and listening to how she speaks, you know what you're going to get in her books because all of that and more is going to be packaged up into this incredible well, you know, story. I, I saw this at, I was at FantasyCon last week uh, and you go to all these different panels and uh, Cueve McDonald, our friend, friend of the podcast, Cueve McDonald, whatever panel he was on, he just brought it to life. And I, you know, the other panelists were all perfectly good, but you look at someone like Cueve and someone like Jesse, who are just full of energy, and you immediately go, well, I want to read their books. If yeah. they're anything like their books, I want to read them. Now, I know most authors uh, are kind of, you know, we're often quite insecure. We often like to be alone. We often don't like to be on a stage. But I think if you can just, you know, 
create a persona for yourself that is just you on stage, you on a podcast, you in front of a crowd or whatever. And then the real you, I mean, this is kind of what I'm like, because the real me just- Yeah, you're actually quite shy. You're quite shy and retiring type, aren't you, Mark? I am. And now you're saying that with a wry smile on no, your I face. No, but but actually, <laughs> I, I do. I do have this kind of social battery that gets drained really, really quickly. And I, yeah. I remember- uh, a couple of Christmases ago, I was invited to uh, s- some publicists because I deal with publicists a lot doing the podcast. I was invited to their Christmas do, and I didn't know anyone in the room. And I lasted about half an hour. And I was like, mm. I can't do this. I can't. And I left. Um, but if I'm on a stage, if I'm on a podcast, if I'm mm. doing a reading, I'm totally fine with that because that's the book me. That's the publicity me. And I will go out there and give it the old razzmatazz while I'm up there. And then... Uh, I mean, I had this at FancyCon about sort of uh, halfway through the Saturday. I was like, I've had enough. I need to get out. Luckily, it's in the middle of yeah. Birmingham. So I went for a walk. Birmingham City Centre is, the library there is astonishing. The Birmingham Library is just fantastic. It's, it's a joy. And they've got all my books there. So bonus points for that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so I was just like, I need to get out. I need to, you know. So I think people look at people like me or maybe people like Quiv or people like Jesse and just think, uh, oh, gosh, they're just naturals. But it's all an act. Certainly from my point of view, it's all an act, folks. Yeah. Um, you know. well, no, it's true, though. I think I think you're right. I think, um, I mean, we were talking earlier about, you know, the importance of doing podcasts, getting yourself out there as an author. And a lot of people struggle with that um, because they think, oh, I don't like to market myself. But we've talked about this before. You're not marketing yourself. You are marketing your book. And everything, if you think about Jessie's interview, everything that she was talking about was the joy and excitement she has around writing her book. And it's about the book. And, you know, honestly, we have to be enthusiastic about our books because if we aren't as the authors, who's going to be interested in buying them? So absolutely brilliant i mean she totally knocked it out of the park let's let's talk about this <laughs> amazing habit that she developed uh it's almost like she's been listening to the podcast for a few years but 15 minute habit yeah setting a timer which we've always recommended to people set that timer um but she's she's knocking out 500 words now in 15 minutes which is she absolutely call, she called it pure writing she doesn't even take a sip of water and she still does it now uh, uh, and it's and she does four rounds a day. I just think it's brilliant. But the, I love the quote she said: "I needed to lower my standards," uh, which is just terrific because she realizes that it doesn't have to be perfect first time. You need to get it down, then you can refine it later on. And her whole attitude is just so positive. Get it down, get it out there. You know, uh, it's it's she. I, I just salute her. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's terrific stuff. It's terrific well, we, stuff. We've talked about a 200 word challenge for a number of years now. Um, and I worked out 15, 15 minutes. Jesse's writing 500 words. That means she could knock out 200 words in six minutes. So like folks, eventually, this is the important bit. You might not be able to write 200 words in six minutes, but eventually you probably will if you practice. I mean, she's practicing 500 words four times a day, basically. Mm. And, you know, she wouldn't have started off like that. I'm sure when she started off, she wasn't knocking out 2,000 words in an hour, which is what she does now. I mean, think about that, Mark. In 10 hours, so she wrote for an hour a day, which she she says she does. In 10 hours, she will have 20,000 words. Mm. In 40 hours, she will have 80,000 words. In 40 hours, that's a working week for most people full time in 40 hours, she will have written a book and it's absolutely no surprise that she's, she's prolific. I mean, I must say 
listening to the interview, it totally brought me back to all of our discussions with Shannon Mayer. Right. Uh, episode four, three, maybe three, three or four. four. Very early on. Yeah. yeah, very early on. Now, Shannon's obviously, we've, we've, we've championed in Shannon for years, but she's an independent author. Jesse is traditional. And, and I just love their attitude. I love the fact that they don't see this idea of writing a book as something that they're going to be spending the next five years of their life and self-flagellation and, oh, I'm an author. Well, that's it's the, like, get it done. <laughs> that's the thing. She said she was initially held back by the notion that art needs to take a lot of time. And I think that that it can be crippling because you, you think, oh, gosh, someone took so many years to write their first novel or whatever. Mm. And we we can put authors on a pedestal and think, oh, gosh, these people are artists. And, yes, they clearly blood, sweat and tears. But, uh, no, once she got over that, boom, she was off. And now she writes a book in two months. And these are good books. Make no mistake. You look at the reviews. This, you know, this is this, she's a terrific yeah, writer. Definitely. So it makes me wonder, it makes me ponder on the question, what if we could drop this notion that writing a book had to be hard? Because, you know, we know what it's like. Um, you stick a backpack on and you start walking up a mountain. If you put the backpack on and you're like, oh, this is going to be hard work. Well, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. It's going to be harder than it would have been if you think, right, I'm going to be able to do this. And it, it's it's so, I don't know what percentage of it is mindset and what percentage of it is reality. But I, I mean, know that mindset plays a major part in it. It is. I mean, the thing is, it is hard work. It's not working it down is. the silver mine. It is no. hard work, but it's uh, it's fun hard work. I think there is that distinction. Yeah. You know, when, I mean, my, my wife's a gardener. Uh, she works eight hours a day digging and, and all sorts of stuff, really physical work. But she loves it. Loves it, it brings her joy. So if you can, if you don't mind working hard and enjoy, we've said this before, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. Enjoy getting stuck. Enjoy getting blocked. Enjoy trying to figure out how that scene works, you know? Um, but in, it, it's, if you can figure out a way to do that, which I do. You know, I came down this morning. I, I write every day. I, there was a scene. I only had a vague notion of what the scene was going to be in my head. And I start handwriting with my little Parker pen, Parker Jotter, best pen ever made. Uh, I, and I just, I, I do start by going, okay, what happens in the scene? What's happening in this? And it just gets the pen rolling, gets the pen moving, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I'm lucky because I get to do this full time. So I'm writing two hours every morning. Uh, did two and a half thousand words this morning. Uh, you know, whoom, off we go. Not every morning's like that. Some are, some are harder than others. But, you know, you show up and in, enjoy the hard work. That's, that's mm. you know, because otherwise you end up, you know, just self-flagellating and yeah, or losing or losing making the it harder than it needs to be, or, or yeah, losing yeah, the passion. Yeah. We've got to be so careful when we talk with other people about our books. If we if we if we end up finding that ninety five percent of the time we're talking about how challenging and difficult, you know, we, we we become we're becoming that character. We're becoming that character author, and I don't think that helps us long term. Whereas you look at the, I'd say the thing about Jesse. She she had this lightness to her. Yeah. It was this lightness. There wasn't a heaviness like you, you you kind of often feel. It's a lightness. She was like yes, and she, light, yeah, and she she did say she said you should always be challenged by the books you're writing. She's often. I mean, she's writing fantasy next. You know, she wants a challenge. She wants something new and difficult because that's what brings her joy. I think, but uh, it doesn't mean the challenge has to be miserable. The challenge is what invigorates you it's what keeps you going it's what you know gives you that spark so uh, that's what i keep going back for now it wasn't always easy for jesse because she was talking about 
the multiple rejections she had and her mental health. And they, she was talking about her master. She got a master's degree, didn't she? And it was how many years after her master's was, that she? I think it was nine to ten years after her degree that she got a deal. Yeah. Um, so I so don't. Is, I mean, that's I mean, not that's not a ticket to a book deal, is it? Getting your no. Master's? I think you know you will <laughs> learn stuff exactly. You you will learn stuff in your master's degree that will almost inevitably make you a better writer. But it's not like publishers are going, "Where's your degree?" Because publishers understand that anyone can be a writer. You know, anyone, whatever your background is, uh, it's you know, it's uh, it's the same with screenwriting degrees as well. You know, it's they movie makers don't care; they just care is what you've written is it good is it yeah. any good that's what i love about. and when you think about that i love that because how many industries are there professions in the world where there isn't a prerequisite that you have to have spent this money doing this particular degree or this masters or this phd in order to get that job it's like it's it's an inclusive anyone can do it and it is it's it's always down to the strength of the story ultimately and that doesn't matter if you've done a masters or not if you're a great writer you know, paperwork won't give you give you the extra edge. But she did say that the rejections, you know, took a toll on her mental health. And I think we should talk about this because it we, we 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 the way we do it in the academy and with our BXP team is, is we kind of we celebrate rejections. We say if you've got a rejection, it means you're out there, you're really trying hard. Skin in the game. Skin yeah. in the game. You've got one less company that you have to worry about because they've declared their <laughs> cards and said they're not interested. Great, move on. You know, taxi. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's so important um, to have that kind of attitude towards rejections, as hard as they are to get, especially if it's with a... I think the hardest ones are if you've got your heart set on getting a certain agent, a certain editor, a certain publisher... Um, a certain book cover designer and you you get rejected by them, that can be hard because part of your dream has been built around this kind of vision of, I want to be with HarperCollins or I want to be with, you know, Simon & Schuster or whoever it is. Um, but I do think it's important that this managing your mental health around rejections uh, is something that, that authors have a strategy, a plan, an attitude towards so that they don't let the rejections destroy them which I'm sure has happened to many, many authors in the past, hasn't it? It has. And the thing you have to learn is the rejection never goes away. It never stops. Uh, I'm still getting rejected for things. And I'm seven, eight books into a career, a couple of screen, you know, pretty much every screenplay I write gets rejected. I mean, screen, you think, you think publishing is bad. Try screen. This is, <laughs> yeah. you know, Maybe everyone, was, everyone should be a screenwriter first. That's what you exactly. did, right? Maybe, maybe well, that's yeah. the secret. <laughs> it is. We, this is the screenwriting panel. We were just like, you know, authors, we hear authors moaning about publishing. We're like, oh, you want to try screenwriting, mate. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a doddle after that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just part of, the, again, it's part of the process, uh, and you. The joy with publishing and self-publishing is you can bypass that. You can make the book that you want it to be. You know, you can you can get yeah. it out. I I appreciate people like you say want to be published by Golance or you know Mills yeah. and Boone or whatever. Of um, but uh, the, what's important is getting the words out and getting people reading it. Yeah, and and again, like what it, what profession can you can you spend a ton of time? focusing on and if your goal is to get traditionally published and that doesn't happen it's not the end of the world it was mm -hmm. 50 years ago but this is so i mean we should be so encouraged by this we should be so excited by this idea that okay so traditional publishing isn't for this book potentially so what do i do well i self-publish and and your work gets out there you're guaranteed 
you're guaranteed when you start writing your book, if you're serious about writing it and finishing it, you're guaranteed to get it out into the world now. That is incredible. And and still in today's like amazing world that we live in with like technology and all the amazing opportunities we have, there are still many, 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 many industries where the kind of the old school still applies and that you can, you know, you can you can go for something like a, you know, I know you could train to be a doctor, but you can't be a self published doctor you can't just set your own you know which there are rules thing. which it's is probably a good thing, thing. yeah <laughs> God, well, not self-published doctor but it'd be like self self-operating surgeon you can just pop over to their house yeah i, did, I they wouldn't take me to the hospital but like i've got a salad downstairs yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get that appendix out i mean there's certain things <laughs> you just sorry that's I like a this. python sketch isn't I it was, yeah. it is, it is totally. do you know what's awful though i was watching this danish thriller yesterday oh it made my stomach turn mark i can't do it i can't do it these thrillers what? where there's mutilated bodies it and body <laughs> part like it's the call the chestnut man it was by the person that did the killing oh right. man i got into episode three and i'm like i i, I don't think i can do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> that was the basement reference if anyone was interested go watch the chestnut man it's awful i mean it's amazing well written <laughs> I'm getting a bit queasy and older. It's like, you know, when you were a kid, you could go on roller coasters and that Wurlitzer thing. Do you yeah, remember the yeah, Wurlitzer? Yeah, yeah. The Wurlitzer. horrible, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Wurlitzer. Awful. And they come push you and you scream louder. I, I remember going on with the kids when I was in my 30s and I came off and I vomited everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, God, you know you're getting on when you can't handle a funfair ride. But it's almost, I'm getting that way with TV shows. What's happening to me, Mark? What is happening? It's I used to watch like all the goriest horror and and I just can't do it anymore. So funny. Yeah. Claire's gone Sorry. the same actually. She it's she weird. can't she can't watch the blood. Do you know what I like? Do you know what I don't mind? I was having this debate. I was saying I don't mind zombies like <laughs> ripping flesh out of people's because they're not real. It's well maybe they are. But but I don't <laughs> mind that. But it's when you see a like a, a modern modern day thriller with yeah. a mutilated body hanging upside down with body parts cut, I'm like yeah, but that could actually happen. That probably has happened, and that's awful. And I just like, how, how did we get onto this? I how, don't how know. <laughs> that's the problem. It's suddenly become a therapy session for my. No, <clears throat> we were talking about mental health, um, and I right, think that was right, the tenuous right. link. So let's get back. Um, but yeah, folks, if you're getting rejected from stuff, um, celebrate like someone. <laughs> no, don't. Oh, no, don't no, do. No, sorry, write no. about. No, write about it. Um, write about it in your next book. Yes. And, yes. You know, take the take whoever rejected you and put them as a character in your book, and do whatever you want to them, and then change you feel, their name. Then you'll yeah, <laughs> and then you'll feel great. See, this is such I've a. I've done bizarre, that a couple of times. I have done that a couple of times. This myself. is such a. I, sorry, when I stand back cathartic. from all this occasionally, Mark, you know, you know, we do we show up and do this every week, and we're kind of like we're doing this for like seven years. But there's occasions when I stand back from this and think, this is the weirdest thing. <laughs> We're talking to people that write about murdering people, and right. oh my god, it's so strange. It's like one of twi- It is. It's a Twilight Zone moment, but I love it, and that's what makes it so fascinating. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to weddings because weddings yes. are fun. <laughs> <laughs> but my goodness me, are weddings expensive in Southeast Asia? What two thousand guests? 2000, yeah, like man. I don't like. Has anyone ever funded a one hundred guest wedding anywhere? It's ridiculous. Like it's so expensive, two thousand. And I know in some, um, like in India, they do like multiple days. Yeah, it goes on for days. Yeah, yeah. And multiple um, outfits. I'm yeah. like, 
Oh my gosh! Yeah, but I've, I'm I'm trying to. I mean, I'm I've done all I can to put my kids off getting married as an institution because then I'm going to end up paying for it. Uh, oh. Run off to Gretna Green, kids. Yeah, <laughs> the drive-through chapel at Las Vegas. Exactly. Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only in America, but um, weddings and real estate now very important to like you mentioned in the interview very important because there are you know amazing characters in all the and situations in all of those opportunities it's real life it's yeah. real life but it got us thinking didn't it like there's a many people who want to be full-time authors listening to this podcast and they might be stuck in a job that maybe they can't stand or they feel it's not taking them anywhere or it's preventing them from living their dream yeah but we have a message for you today folks we have a message for you in that just imagine that you are simply an author doing undercover research. Exactly. That's what you have to cover. do. Deep, deep cover. Deep, yeah. deep cover. Yeah. Like literally, like, like go down like a detective, find, find those characters, chat with them, stand back, observe, watch what's going on. Um, mar- rather than get involved in the politics, just laugh at it, marvel at it. And, and, and there's so much material there. And, and what's great is Jesse has like taken all of these amazingly broad experiences that she's had weddings, real estate, and, and it's made, it's, it's made her career richer. Like it's made her books richer because she's drawing not just from her aunties, obviously, but from all of these different thing, people that she's experienced. So I think it's like, it's a rich tapestry, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's a little industry of mugs and t-shirts that say, be nice to me, I'm an author, I'll put you in my book kind of thing. And yeah. it, that's I've always operated on, on that basis in that uh, if you ever engage with me, there is a chance you'll end up as a, as a character in a book. And of course, most people don't recognise themselves either as, the, as their character because they're not necessarily that self-aware. Um, and always change the names, always change the names, folks. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I... I I was lucky enough to work in publishing, but I've had crappy jobs before. And and my job in publishing, well, I started in sales. It was great. I would go around and sell to people and uh, enthuse about books. But the last couple of years, I was basically filling out spreadsheets all day, which is oh, it's the worst. Um, so I was I was not happy those last couple of years. So you do it was kind of you know the 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 shining light in my day was when I was writing on my commute. You know that was that was the fun. And of course. Publishing, you encounter all sorts of people. So yeah, it's uh, it's all grist to the mill essentially. It's all yeah. you know. Keep a little notebook, you know, write things down, make little notes. Uh, it's all fuel for story in the end. And wasn't it interesting that when Jesse wrote about her aunties, thinking they were very, you know, typical of of, of her cultural background? Yes. Yeah that she ended up getting all of these letters from all of these different right. Nigerian people. Nigerian aunties, Jewish aunties, yeah, Greek Jewish aunties. aunties. Yeah, Amazing. We've said this a few times now, which is the thing that you think is specific, That you, the thing that you think is weird about yourself, the thing you think is peculiar that no one else will get that you put in your writing that you might be tempted to take out, that could be the very thing that is universal and speaks to so many people. And I think you have to... I think one of the reasons we might feel tempted to take those things out is we think they might reveal a bit too much about ourselves. They might be a bit exposing. But you know what? That's what readers love. They love those extremes. They love those things that are a bit... If you're a bit scared to write it, then that's probably a reason to put it in. Uh, Mm. And if you're in your first draft, definitely put it in because you can always take it out later. You can give it to a beta reader and they can go... "Uh, 
that was a bit weird. And then he can take it out. But or uh, but I guarantee, actually, the thing is, the beta read will go, that bit in particular, I loved. Let's have more of that, please. I guarantee mm. it. Well, what's fascinating is we we often think about this cultural layer, which is you know, what we experience within our culture. And when we go to say, like I went to India traveling once and oh my gosh, culture shock. It was, it was a different world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I just couldn't, you know, take in the, the senses, just it was an overwhelm. But then you kind of realize that underneath the cultural layer is the human nature layer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that exactly. doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter whether you're, you know, you know, even if you go back to prehistoric man, you know, in prehistoric times, cultural cultural layers um, color what we experience on the human layer. But the human layer is 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 behavioral. It's it's what we all it's what we're all part of. It's the shared DNA that we all have with the chimpanzees. You know, and and that's what's common ultimately. And that's what keeps it's, ties us together as a the, human race. It's the 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 thingy triangle of needs, whatever it's called. Yeah, Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs. Which thank you. I need to know that. Yeah. 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 You know, there there are universal needs that we have, but we, um, you know, th- so when when you're thinking about your writing, uh, maybe don't overthink it. You know, go on those instinct, go go for those needs because so many of those things are so universal. But mm. I love the specifics. I love the specificity of it because these things travel. We've all got nosy aunties, you know, to yeah. a degree, and. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Do you know, uh, just on that word universal, uh, my mentor Wayne Dyer once said, and it always stuck with me, he said, when you think about the word universal, it comes from the word universe. And universe actually means one song. Isn't that brilliant? Universe, mm. one song. Not thought for the day. Thought for the day, folks. Dwell on that <laughs> one for a little bit. So uh, the other thing we wanted to talk about was, uh, I had to laugh when it came up, mm. The Last Airbender. Okay, for people who've not, how would you describe, for people who don't even know what The Last Airbender is, how would you describe this show, I, Mark, to people? I've never actually seen it. I know my kids have seen it. I know I'm probably lost some Greek um, Greek geek credentials there. Not Greek, I don't have any Greek credentials. Um, but it's uh, it's it's about, it's, isn't the different well, tribes, is it like a water yeah, tribe got, and a fire tribe? And yeah, it's yeah. Like we've got the DVD and, set. It's so it, you're well versed in it. Okay, so this okay. is crazy. Okay, so uh, picture the scene: all the kids got into the last Airbender, right. and um, what these—I mean, how, how to describe it? But it's what they have these different powers. One can bend water. One can bend fire. It basically means they can control yeah, right. it: air, fire, and all the all the elements. Okay, so picture the scene: every single weekend when my kids were like a certain age, probably up to about. 14 at the high end, five at the low end, all three of them. They would be reenacting a scene or an episode of The Last Airbender. Nice. Not, not just in the garden, you know, like where Kino or in the bedroom, but on the trampoline. That was the stage. Wicked. And nice. it was just the most bizarre, but they were like so into it, Mark. I can't believe this is one of those shows. If you've got young kids, I really highly recommend it. It's it's a it's really good. Like it's a great show with like really good values. There's a lot of cool kind of mystic Eastern kind of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of that in there as well. Like Zen. Um, yeah. So and it's just good lessons. And if if you've got kids and you want to get them off, say I won't. I mean, I'm not I'm not against like screaming Minecrafters on YouTube. I love them. I love it in particular. <laughs> I love it in particular when my daughter doesn't wear headphones 
and all I, I okay <laughs> old man I don't get that Mark I don't get the screaming YouTubers playing video games it just does my head in it does my head in like Power Rangers did my head in about 10 years ago I like, what is this sorry I have to say it but Last Airbender that is good quality TV and there's a lot of great life lessons in there and you might even get to enjoy watching your kids jumping on a trampoline bending air and bending fire and and they just disappear into this world it is just brilliant I mean imagination is fantastic but sorry <laughs> Oh, but World you. of Warcraft, we should, talk, we should talk about World of Warcraft as well. The idea of where you can draw inspiration from. Jessie um, has written, is writing a book about her aunties, and yet she's watched things like Air Last Airbender. She's played games like World of Warcraft. And in some way, that's all influencing this world that she's creating, isn't it? And Terry Pratchett as well. She's a fan of Terry yeah, Pratchett. Yeah, like interesting mix. Yeah, it's fascinating mix. But this is this is the thing. You take your you you know, you draw on different influences and this is what makes us all unique. You might think that, oh gosh, I'm this is why that people shouldn't get hung up on ideas. When you say, Okay, I want to write a murder mystery about a little old lady who solves uh, mysteries. Oh gosh, Agatha Christie already did that. Yeah, so did a million other authors, but they are bringing themselves to the book. They're bringing their unique influences and the things that make them unique. And that's what we love as readers. So just don't get hung up on the idea. Focus on the specifics. Focus on your voice, on the thing that makes you unique. Yeah. And it is all those things that you have experienced, whether it's, you know, things you've read, TV shows. That's what makes you completely unique. And that means you can write a book that maybe other people have written similar kind of books, but it won't be the same as the book that you're writing today. Exactly. Because it's your voice and that's it. There's this like your fingerprint. Brilliant folks. Listen, if you want to join us for more mania in the uh, extended edition, we are going to talk about um, the importance of emotionally moving on when you sent out your manuscript. Very important. We've also talked about looking forward to writing scenes instead of dreading them. (laughs) That's a big topic (laughs) right there. Uh, we're also going to delve into the mysteries of publishing and the a way that uh, amount of marketing um, is directly related to the size of the advance. I'm going to ask Mark about that because he knows all about this kind of stuff. And then Mark's going to give us a, 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 an extended deep dive on world building. So folks, you can't miss it, surely. So pop along to Patreon, pop in your $10 or whatever it is to, to, to fund and help run this podcast and you will get access to the extended plus all the others that we've done. So go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and we'll see you on the other side. So Mr. Stay, lots going on on wins and social media this week. Really lots to discuss and I don't want to rush these, but there is a lot to get through. Uh, let's start with Andrea van der Bruggen in the Academy. Uh, she says, I finally have a win. I finished my first draft. It's a month to the day late per my dream declaration, but considering how arbitrary that date was, I really don't mind. I originally got the idea something like two years ago and worked on it here, the Academy and there, uh, but never got any momentum. I joined the Academy for the push uh, to get it done, started writing my 200-ish words every day around February 1st, 
and kept had it come teething toddlers or international flights. Now, Andrea spent a lot of the summer touring the UK with her family. It was an amazing watching, and she was logging those words every day. It's amazing. Uh, she says, it's a big sloppy mess. She's talking about her first draft there, not, not the UK or her family. It's a big sloppy mess. It's not even entirely in sequential order, but I made it through the final conflict scene, and now it's time to go back and turn it into something like an entertaining novel. They say writing a novel is a marathon, but I suggest it's more of a triathlon. Three arduous phases instead of one. I'm finally out of the water. Now onto my bike. Brilliant. Congrats, I love Andrew. that. Analogy. You know, I so love that story. That last, last Friday, I put out a weekly newsletter to all the Academy members in the Bestseller Academy. And that was that that story was that was the you know academy story of the week and and just kind of referencing and you know andrea's tour i remember her showing up to one of our life coaching sessions and she was in a hotel in the yeah, hotel room, room. Yeah. she even showed up to the coaching on holiday i was like wow it's amazing and like i i'm so chuffed for andrea because she's Firstly, she's an amazing writer, but she's also one of the loveliest Academy members you'll meet. She's brilliant. So congratulations, Andrea. We're so chuffed for you. Uh, great news from another Academy, Joni Parker. An early win, she says, I've published the ebook version of my book, The Epsilon Account, uh, on this just the Sunday just gone. It says the print version is still in the works, but I've ordered the proof copy. So I'll put a link in that. That's the Epsilon account, book one of The Golden Harvest by Joni Parker. Check that out. Congratulations, Joni. Joni, not been with us long already. I think one of our, you know, uh, really great members of the Academy. She's uh, brings a lot of experience to the Academy as well. So it's great to have yeah. you with us, Joni. Fantastic news. Um, uh, I, a great bit of news from Katie Wells as well on the Academy. Uh, she says, ever since I realized it existed, I wanted to be able to donate a book to the Child in Read auction. And this year I could. It's odd to see my novel next to big names and it will never make huge donations, but it's nice to feel I'm able to do something little. So yeah, this is Child in Read is an auction where you can donate things. And, you know, the auction, all the money goes towards this brilliant charity. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check that out. But Katie, that is fantastic. So not only are people reading your book and enjoying it, but you're putting a bit of good into the world as well. So congrats on that, Katie. Wonderful story. Brilliant stuff. And from one wonderful story to Karen's story in the Academy as well. She says, I'm calling this a newsletter win. She says, thanks to the encouragement from this Academy, I finally set up my very first author website last spring. But one thing I've still been dragging my feet on is starting that all important email list and newsletter. I mean, come on, who wants to read my boring meanderings? Anyway, she says, I listened to the recording of uh, writer surgery that I did a couple of weeks ago because uh, Anne Woodward in the Academy was asking about newsletters and I said, start it now. So Karen started it. I think Anne's starting it soon. She says, I was inspired by all the talk of pets during the surgery. Was saying, yeah, people love pets. Um, anyone who's seen me on an Academy Zoom has seen my uh, Persian cat, Tiffany, crashing the calls I have. Uh, I've decided she is writing my monthly newsletter, <laughs> which will go out on the first Sunday morning of every every month. I'm calling it Breakfast with Tiffany. Uh, and it's brilliant. I've subscribed to it. I've already had the newsletter. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to get a, a, a newsletter from a Persian cat called Tiffany every week. Who, <laughs> Who wouldn't want that Who in their inbox? Brilliant. And a couple of uh, amazing wins from um, BXP team members. Now, I mentioned I was at FantasyCon. Well, uh, the British Fantasy Society has an award ceremony every year at FantasyCon. 
and we've got two BXP members who are winners. Not least, Queeve McDonnell. Stranger Times Times won the British Fantasy Award for audio. He says, I've never won anything before. So massive thanks to everyone who helped out with his podcast and narrated stories. He says, I reckon about 20 comedians all just became the first... British Fantasy Award winners. So congrats to Queeve on that. Fantastic. And also Rowan Coleman, who's in the group, she wrote a short story which was in the anthology, uh, uh, which um, uh, won the uh, br- winner of the British Fantasy Award for Best Anthology. It's a, a thing called Someone in Time. Uh, and Rowan had a story in that. So we've got two winners in uh, the BXP team there as well. So congrats oh. to Rowan, congrats to Queeve. Just fantastic. Brilliant. Well done, both of you. And many, many more to come, no doubt, as well, I think. Yeah, you betcha. God, blimey, there's a lot of lot of wins this week. How do we keep up with all this? Do you know what's going to happen, Mark? We're going to have to do another podcast of just wins. <laughs> hour-long podcast of just wins. Well, listen, folks, we hope... We have a lot of people tell us, actually. It's really cool. We've got a lot of feedback about our kind of win section they they love it they say it feels like like kind of local community news yeah. <laughs> in the author world but it's absolutely brilliant and we want you to be a part of that so if you have a win to celebrate and share with us um then just drop us a note go to uh, bestsellerexperiment.com and hit on the contact button and whilst you're there folks don't forget we have a mailing list it's not written by a persian cat i will say but uh, hopefully it's just <laughs> i know but maybe we'll have to like go down that pet theme my daughter has convinced me, Mark, you ready for this? To get oh. a new pet. Do you oh. know what she's going to get? A hedgehog. Oh, brilliant. How brilliant is that? Hedgehogs are like one of my favourite pets, like characters from, from when I used to live in, live in Surrey in England. We had one in our garden. Yeah, we don't actually, get yeah. them here. I've, I've never seen a hedgehog in Canada. I don't know if they... I, do, I did see a bear, though. I saw a bear and its mum last night on top of my bloody fence, wrecking... <laughs> Our, our grapes and I woke up this morning and I found half a pear tree oh. and I looked at the pears yesterday going oh they look absolutely perfect I'll pick those tomorrow I'm not kidding you half a bloody pear tree the, the yogi bear, beat you to it yeah yogi beat you to it I cut in our garden it's just brilliant I mean I'm not complaining like you know I'm, I'm glad that we have these incredible the bears were there first to be fair they were there first we decided <laughs> to put a pear tree there it was our fault, but um, no hedgehogs. We're going to get hedgehogs. So maybe, maybe no. The bestseller experiment newsletter won't be written by a hedgehog, but um, yeah, we maybe have to think of some exotic animal. But like, it's it's a great it's a great newsletter. It tells you about what's coming up, what we've what, who we've interviewed, what we've learned, and what you're going to learn, and direct links to where you can find all of the different places where the podcast goes out. So do pop along to that. And Mark, where can people find us on socials? Social media, uh, we are on Facebook as Bestseller Experiment. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and threads as at Bestseller XP. So come and find us there. If you've been inspired by Jesse or any of our guests, uh, do give us a rating. It really, really helps make us visible or a little review wherever you get your podcasts. And do please subscribe. That also makes a big difference too. Thank you as always to our editors, Dave and JD. Of course. And if, you would, if you're inspired by Jesse and a 15 minutes uh, habit a day, hey, we've got something called 200 Word Challenge that does exactly that. So pop along to 200wordchallenge.com and sign up. Um, get inspired. Can you write for seven days in a row, 200 words a day? It's harder than you think. But once you get past those seven days, hold on to your breeches because you know what? You could be writing for the rest of your life every day. And that's a ton of books, as as well we know from Jesse. We do, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Well, listen, folks, 
It's great having you with us for the ride. We'll see you next week. It's a goodbye from Mark 1. And goodbye from Mark 2. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.